Do you ever wish that you could remember everything forever? You can learn more in less time by using Picmonic to pass your classes, exams, and even the NPTE. With Picmonic's innovative learning platform and research proven to increase your long-term memory by, guess how much, Sarah? What is it? 330% and your exam scores by 50%. And Picmonic has entertaining short stories with memorable graphics that are kind of crazy and they tell a story in an educational way, almost like you're sitting around a campfire and learning stuff. Since you remember things when they're tied to your limbic system and they're important to you, this helps you so much when you're trying to study for your exams and helps you do way better. We want you all to have access to this platform and use the code gratitude spelled g-r-a-d-i-t-u-d-e for 20 percent off or click the link in the description looking for a gift for a friend classmate professor co-host of a podcast or really anyone physio memes got your back with apparel drinkware and home decor and if you go to physiomemes.com you can get a 20 percent off coupon with the code gratitude spelled g-r a-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. The SPT Secret Society is open for students who are looking to make a massive change in their PT school journey with fellow SPTs from around the world through our three pillars of study habits, personal development, and finances. This is for the motivated SPT ready to take action now because you know PT school is only a couple years long. So what are you waiting for? Click the link right now in the show notes to join us in the SPT Secret Society. And get your first month free by emailing us ecretsay, E-C-R-E-T-S-A-Y. Welcome to Gratitude. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two new grad DPTs helping you get through PT school on your first try debt-free. Join us as we guide you through the insanity of PT school. Welcome everyone to another episode of Gratitude. And today I am very excited to have this guest on. We had met each other in June of 2021 at a conference. Uh, It was the Smart Success uh, Healthcare Conference, and Kelly uh, was a speaker there, and we got to meet um, in person. So today we have her on the podcast, and welcome. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, The first thing is tell everybody a little bit about how you got into physical therapy. Yeah. So I just, I didn't have an injury or anything like that. I just knew that I wanted to move and not sit on a cubicle. So it was as simple as that. And my brother played football in high school and his like trainer was a physical therapist. And I was like, Hey, let me go shadow her. So I just started shadowing. I think that's the best thing to do when you don't really know what you want to do. And I was like, sold. She's not sitting down. She's moving around. She's active. This is for me. (laughs) So that's it. Oh, I love it. And then in undergrad, did you uh, apply to be a like pre-PT major or were you another major in uh, college? Yeah. So I, I knew I wanted to be a PT. I was one of those. I was one of the lucky ones that knew like, Hey, this is the path I'm taking. And I just, I went for it. So I just was all the way through undergrad and grad school PT. 
Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like for a lot of us, that's the track exercise science, um, yep. kinesiology, that pre-PT route. And then, uh, did you take any gap year or did you apply straight through? Like, do you remember how was the application process for you? Well, back then <laughs> I've been practicing for 12 years now. So back then, uh, we, uh, we had applied to every single school individually, which now I'm hearing you don't have to do that. So we had to go online and look at all the requirements and every single school had something different. So one person, how did you write an essay? One person wanted the GRE. One person didn't want the GRE. Um, everything was so different back then. Uh, and so every single school, I literally had a spreadsheet of what I needed. Classes were different for this school versus this school. So it, it, um, it was a lot harder, I felt like, compared to what I've heard you guys have now is where it's just like one form and then you just click the different schools. Um, and I went and visited. I actually went and flew to visit like, I think eight PT schools. Um, so I was fortunate enough that I was able to do that. But um, I talked to my professors afterwards, the one that I got into. And I was like, so why did you guys pick me? Because, you know, back, I mean, I don't know if it's still like this, but back then there was like over a thousand applicants and only 15 of us got in because I went to a school where like the undergrad was already coming up. I don't know what that's called, but, and then they only let 15 of us in. So um, I was like, why did you guys pick me? And they're like, because you came to visit, we gave you an extra point. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, Hey, that like going and flying to the school, I know some programs do the Sarah went to a program where it was, uh, like a three plus three or you go right. Yes. That's what it's called. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that's, that's tough because then they only have a certain amount of spots and you know, was your cohort or, uh, the cohort that you were in for everyone who, you know, pretty much was going through school together where they're like, tight-knit groups or did everybody get along really well especially I don't want to call you like the outsiders but those who didn't attend the the university and uh undergrad right I mean for us I think there was a maturity difference to be honest because the 15 of us that came in we've already graduated we are we're a little bit older not too much older but we were a little bit older like a couple years older and we just Overall, I felt like knew a little bit more, to be honest. I mean, no offense to anyone that does the three plus three, but it was just, there was a little bit more maturity and um, there was kind of divide between the, what do they call us? They called us something, but the people that came in and then the people that have been there, you know, they've hung out for the last three to four years, just all them. So yeah. Yeah. And there was a little divide. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause that, uh, if Sarah went, Sarah was on, she would have said the same thing. She also did, um, the, she was out, a outsider came into a plus three program. Uh, but yeah. And tell, tell everyone a little bit about, um, what you expected your first semester of PT school to be like versus the reality of it. Okay. I thought it was going to be super easy. I mean, I had a great time in undergrad. I like, I, I just party hard in undergrad, to be honest. I'm just being honest. Um, I had the best time of my life. It was the best time of my life. I always say that, undergrad. When I went to grad school up in Rochester, New York, um, it was freezing cold. That's number one. Number two, 
it was like the biggest slap in the face because I remember we just had a cadaver lab over the summer. That's when we started. And I remember studying for like, I don't know, maybe 14 hours a day with something insane. And I remember calling my parents at least that first year being like, I can't do this. I need to come home. Like, I remember having many phone calls crying, being like, I'm not, I can't, like, I can't stay up here. This is too intense. And, um, I, I think they, I think they honestly make school too intense in grad school. I think it's too much, but, uh, it was, it was not fun, especially my first year. Cause the first year I feel like is really intense. And then after that, it gets a little better. Agreed. Yeah. I feel like anatomy and cadaver lab, it, it is very intense. And especially if you're uh, if you're, if you were used to studying a certain way in undergrad and then that all changed and you're like, oh shit, now I really have to buckle down. And some of the things that may have worked have, you know, you have to find new, new ways to study, um, which is the reality of it. Uh, but when you were in school, uh, I guess let's just say that first year, did you go through any like failures or, um, you know, any times where you were just questioning yourself of like, was I meant to do this? Yeah. I mean, I always knew I wanted to be PT, um, but I was questioning the, the caseload of work because uh, it was just too intense. I even did my research project was on wellness of pre-PTs, uh, during PT school, and then post-PTs for the three years that I was there. And every single person's health in PT school went down the drain. Not one person out of the study that we had improved in their health. Like mentally, physically, there was five domains we measured and every single person's diminished. And it's like, wait, this is like a reality check of we're supposed to be promoting health. Why is all of our health deteriorating? And we all are just like mentally unstable because the intensity of, of the coursework, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. And that's so interesting because I feel like there is a lot of mental and emotional you know, challenges is in school. And I know for me personally, just, you know, talking about that, it is now presenting itself, you know, after PT school, after not really like it, it was too much that you couldn't worry about it. Like you just had to keep moving on. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's so important. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, well, I, I mean, it's, it makes, it makes sense. Um, did you work at all during school? Did you have a job or did you not? Um... No, I really didn't have a job. I mean, I taught Pilates for one hour a week. So I got $60, which I thought I was rich. Uh, $60 for one hour. I mean, I was banking, but it was just too much. Like for me, I just wanted to, if I was going to study that hard, I also need to have like, I needed to party hard and like go out on the weekend. So I needed some kind of trying to balance. Um, and so, you know, I, I was kind of the one that organized all the, the outings and stuff like that. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. You know, still like you have a life outside of PT school. It's not, you know, it's not your identity. And that's what we tell a lot of students who, uh, you know, message us and you probably get messages as well. Like it's not, it's not all about school. Like you have a life outside of it. Um, and for you, did you know you always wanted to go into orthopedics or did you have other settings in mind? Um, so tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the route that you took. Yeah. So I always thought I wanted to be an orthopedic physical therapist. 
Um, the, our orthopedic doctor that taught our, all of our classes, he, in my opinion, was a jerk. And I always sucked at orthopedics and it was just horrible. It honestly, it was like the worst grades I ever made was in orthopedics. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll be an orthopedic physical therapist. Why not? And so I just went and started doing orthopedics, um, of course, at this practice that was like a mill practice. And I realized the number one diagnosis that I saw was low back pain. And from my Pilates and yoga background, because I was teaching Pilates at that point for like, I don't know, maybe 13 years. And um, I was like, a lot of women complain about leakage. And then that's what sparked my interest after I was out and being like, no one's doing this. I should do pelvic health, especially 12 years ago. It honestly was not cool. Now it's starting to be cooler. Um, but all my friends were like, what did you do in this course? Like they were all making fun of me. Um, and that's how I got into pelvic health. And now I combined orthopedics and pelvic health. So, um, that's, that's kind of the journey that I stepped into. Wow. And for you during that time, when you realized that, uh, did you have any mentors to look up to, you know, during that time when you were taking the, um, the courses. So I was back in Atlanta then, and I did not have anyone. I was actually one of the only ones in Atlanta, like the Buckhead area that was like doing this, um, that I knew of. And then I went to Portland, Oregon, and there was mentors out there because on the West coast, a little bit more progressive in the pelvic health world than it is kind of on the East coast. Um, so I got a mentor out there, which was awesome. And then I went to Southern California got another mentor there, Julie Sarton. Uh, she's awesome. She's been teaching for like 25 years. She has her own clinic in Southern California. And then, um, then I moved to Northern Virginia and that's where I'm at right now. Um, and so because of these, because I've been able to move, I've had many different mentors that have taught me my different ways. And honestly, that's the best way if you want to learn a new skill, a new task to get a mentor. And in PT school, we didn't even have one pelvic health class course day at all. Nothing so, like zero. We had nothing. We had nothing. It wasn't, I'm telling you, it wasn't talked about then. No one wanted to do it. No one even heard about it. Like it just wasn't a thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And to see where it is today, you know, in a, right. I would say a, sh I mean, short period of time. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I feel like now there's more awareness of having, you know, a class or an elective clinical rotations, uh, and just bringing that, you know, awareness, uh, you know, into it. But after PT school, did you, uh, I know one thing that comes up towards your third year is, you know, doing a residency or not. So did okay. you have those thoughts of like, oh, I need to do a residency or no? Yes. And I like to go against what everyone else is doing. So, and I think a lot of people should. So everyone that came out of school, because I went to this company called Benchmark, which is really well known. They recruit a lot of people, especially in the South, um, Duke students, because a lot of them are high, like heavy manual um, and so I came in with 30 new grads to this company because they all put us together for orientation. So that's how I know this. And every single one of those people, 29 of those people signed on for a residency for 12K. For 12K, you have to pay benchmark 12K. This is back in the day. I don't know what they charge now. Back in the day, 12K to do a residency for two years. You have to do all this research. You have to submit at night after you're done with all your patients, blah, blah. And I was, and they're like, you're not doing it. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. 
And I am so glad I didn't because they hold you hostage for two years to complete the residency program. And you have to also pay them, like I said, 12K. And I'm just so happy that I was able to um, not be in a contract like that and binding contract and be able to, you know, move clinics or do something different because you just don't know what you're walking into out of PT school. So I would advise anyone that, to be honest, I don't think residency programs, I'm not a fan of them. I don't think that they're worth it. I think the best thing that you can do out of school, if you're really into, you know, learning, which we, a lot of us are, find a really good mentor that you look up to. And that's where you need to go move whatever to. But I personally would not take a, a residency program. We already know so much. And these are just, to be honest, from a business perspective, they are just adding value to corporate uh, PT practices. That's it. I'm so glad you said that. I don't think we've had anybody on the podcast explain it like that. So thank you for doing that. And no it's important to, you know, have that, have that awareness, especially the, I'll call it the state that we're in, in physical therapy with, uh, you know, the rising costs of tuition and loans. And, uh, I won't go down that rabbit hole, but we all know what that is. So, right. um, yeah, I, I feel like that's, that's very, um, just important to note. And yeah. And I want to add something to that too, if you don't mind. Um, with this too, with these um, residency programs, guys, it does not mean that you are going to make more money if you are in a residency program. Um, I personally have a clinic. I don't look and make sure that whoever's coming in has, is in a residency program. I just hired a brand new, new grad and I taught her all pelvic health things of my own courses that I have. Um, so I think that having a good mentor, honestly, is the best case scenario. And just remember, you're going to actually be losing money when you take a residency program and you already know enough. Yes. Rewind that everyone, because that is really important. So then uh, moving forward. So you're, you're in your position. Um, how long were you working for an establishment before you had the idea of, Hey, I need to branch out and start my own business. Yeah. So I, I held on too long. I was working for, uh, many different people for like eight years. So I was in Atlanta, New York, uh, Portland, Southern California, and even in Virginia, when I moved, I worked for someone else. And then um, the turning point was when I asked for time off and I couldn't get time off. And then that's when I was like, screw this. I got to start my own company. And I didn't want to, I really, I was always the clinical director. So I always ran everyone's company, but, um, I really didn't want to start my own company. Cause the number one thing I saw all the bosses being stressed out like all the time. And I didn't want to be that person, but I kind of was forced to cause the way everything's going. So that's what made me, um, you know, make a leap. Yeah. And I feel like there's not enough talk about that in PT school. I think now it's becoming more um, well-known of, Hey, you can have a side hustle, um, starting a podcast, you know, having uh, certain businesses that are online and, you know, I feel like it's becoming well-known, but there's this comfort of, you know, the, you know, a stable job and that's, and that's fine. Like, yes, jumping into that, but I feel like at some point you experienced the, the burnout. And do you remember a specific time when you first like realized that for yourself of, Oh shit, am I going through burnout right now? Yeah. So I had three times of burnout. Number one was when I was in Atlanta, I had four jobs because I had to a uh, paycheck and a half was going to student loans. 
And at that time, it was during the recession. So my loans were at a 9%, 9% interest, guys. Okay. I had over $200,000 student loan debt coming out. So I had to, I worked for an outpatient orthopedic uh, company. I did Pilates at very prestigious like clubs. I did personal training in people's homes. And then I also worked on movie sets to, and worked on movie stars um, from like one o'clock in the morning till like four o'clock in the morning. Then, then I would wake up and go treat normal patients at seven o'clock in the morning till four and then like rinse and repeat and get my personal training clients in there. And I was just trying to make ends meet. Um, and I did that for four years and I got completely burnt out. And then that's why we, my husband and I are both PTs. That's why we said, screw it. Let's go to Portland, Oregon. We wanted a simpler life. So we moved out there and, um, there it was actually nice Portland and the, they know they have the best reimbursement, by the way, they have the best reimbursement. Um, so we got reimbursed high. So I even had a PTA that would help me only with like six patients a day. So I wasn't complaining about that. That was nice. Okay. Now the rain got to me, but we got tired of it because the rain, then I went to, um, you know, Southern California and there was nice because I was actually in a cash-based clinic there and I start to, to see like hey I only have to see like six to seven patients a day and it was it was really kind of it was nice I could treat the patients I started to see like wow I don't feel bur as burnt out but I still wasn't able I was barely able to pay my rent I still lived in a one-bedroom apartment I mean my husband and I both PTs we lived in a one-bedroom apartment for at least eight or nine years um, cause that's what we could afford with our student loans. Um, so there was just a lot of, of trying to make ends meet, uh, throughout. And then to me, we always had two jobs. So that caused burn burned out, you know, I would work at this clinic and then I would also go work at the freaking skilled nursing and they would yell at you on the weekends because they're like, I don't want to move. And you're like, I'm just here. I'm just here to help you out. Okay. And, and get a paycheck so I can pay my student loans. Thank you. Um, so you know, I experienced all that. And that, that's when I'm like, what the heck is this? What my life is going to be like, like me just constantly working. Um, and then we moved to Northern Virginia because my husband's dad was sick. So that's what brought us over here. We did not want to leave California, but, um, it brought us here. And then I was working full time for an outpatient orthopedic clinic and I was so burnt out. They were seeing so many patients. They kept hounding on me about checking the boxes on these notes so that they can get reimbursed. And, you know, the patient's sitting over there looking at me like, you're going to come treat me. And that's what I want to do. But then I have to check these boxes on these notes. And um, I was so burnt out. I was so sick. And that's what really, after, like I said, I asked for Christmas off and then I was so burnt out. Then that's what drove me right when COVID hit March, 2020. I will always remember this. Um, to put in my two weeks and then literally the next day COVID hits and I am full-time in my clinic or I didn't even have a clinic. I was full-time by myself on an Island pretty much. And I had no patience and I had to pay my rent. I had to pay my student loans and I had no job <laughs> and, and that's it. So yeah, those are my burn burnout times that have led me to do what I do because I want to create my own life. I want to create my own um, destiny. And you know, I'm fortunate enough now that I do have a practice and I get to hang out at home and, um, you know, do stuff around here. So that's awesome. So when COVID hit, you had started your business and then um, there is a story. 
And I remember this from when you spoke at the conference of, um, I feel, I feel like there were two points where you were, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, were you like on a hiking trail or you were, you're okay. Yeah. So tell us that story. Yeah. So when COVID hit, remember I had no job. Um, I had $800 in my bank account. I'm just being honest. And I was like, crap, I need four to $5,000 to, I think it was $4,000 to live on, to pay everything I needed to pay. Okay. So I was like, crap, what am I going to do? And remember it was COVID. No one wanted to even see each other. So I'm like, where do people hang out? People, these runners, they're all crazy. So they're going to hang out in the trailheads because they're going to keep running. Right. So I stood at a trailhead no one knew who I was. I didn't even have a shirt on. Like, I mean, I had a shirt on, but I didn't have like my logo shirt. Okay. I mean, maybe if I didn't have a shirt on, there people would come even more. I don't know. But I was just standing there and I was like, Hey, you come over here. Let me do a movement assessment in the parking lot. And so I just started evaluating runners on the parking lot lines and having them do certain drills. And then I would say, Hey, do you want me to show you these five tips for free? And I want you to start doing that. And so that's how I started getting my name out there and getting clients, whether or not I was treating them for free or not. I just wanted to keep communicating to them. And that's how I started orthopelvic physical therapy. Wow. That is amazing. And yeah, I mean, some, some listeners are probably saying like, what? And like, I could, I could picture it. Um, and you know, it's, you got to do what you got to do. So, uh, from there with COVID, when did you open your doors with orthopelvic? Yeah. So I, um, was mobile and I was willing to travel up to two hours to see people. Cause again, I was desperate. Okay. So I would, um, be gone from, I don't know, from 8 AM in the morning till like nine o'clock at night, just, and I would be sitting in parking decks waiting because people were still like two hours from my house And then I would go see another one that was maybe two hours away. So I couldn't come back home and then go back out again. So I, people don't realize this, that I was sitting in these cold, I was freezing cold or really hot, depending on the time of year it was, um, in these parking decks, I couldn't use the bathroom because no one would let you in, uh, to a store because again, COVID. So even the grocery stores, they wouldn't even let you in. So that was, that was interesting. Um, but after that, I started to get smarter once I started to get busier and have people in my home, which was eventful too, because people would have to come through my kitchen, my living room, go up past my master bedroom. And it was just another bedroom in my house that I just put a treatment table in and I treated there because it saved me a little bit of time. So I got some time back. And then after that, I opened a brick and mortar practice in September. So I, you know, I quit my job in March and then that's in September. That's when I actually got space, but I went through those steps beforehand because I didn't know if I could afford to pay overhead for a space. Yeah, that makes sense. And so this was all during 2020. Now, granted for those of you listening, you're like, I was in PT school during like either started or was still going through it. And I feel like, um, at least for, for me and the students who I, Sarah, uh, included, we were pretty much on the tail end of PT school during the pandemic, but there was other things that we were thinking about, like, Hey, we still got to pass these exams and go on clinicals. But then seeing the other side of it, it's like, these were real, real things like paying rent, paying bills and, um, not going to like, 
grocery stores were not letting you like use the restroom. So I, I, just like actually realizing that and saying, oh, wow, like this is how it was outside of, you know, outside of a student perspective. Yeah. And it was actually a blessing because who in September, 2020 got office space? No one. I actually got a really good deal on my space because everyone was moving out of the offices and I was coming in. So again, I'm going against what everyone's doing. And I think that's when big wins can happen, just like the mentorship and just like, you know, making these other moves. I really think um, when you go against what the trend is, you can really um, find wins. Yeah. When you're the unicorn, when you're going against the trend. Yeah. And I feel like what has been one of the biggest lessons that you have learned opening your own business? Is there something that comes to mind um, to you when you think about that? Oh, there's a lot of lessons. There's a lot of lessons that I've learned. Um, and I've been fortunate enough that my whole team is, we always are like, cool, we'll try it. If it doesn't work, no one's going to get a slap on the wrist. No one's going to get like, we should have done this. Okay. That didn't work. Pivot. I think with anything, the quicker that you can um, pivot and just quickly, if you can quickly turn the situation around within seconds, I don't know, two hours, whatever, that's when the mistakes are not as big or not as um, impactful. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's been a lot, there's been a lot of mistakes, but fortunate enough that I have a good team and, um, good, you know, just spots in my, in my space, in my life to kind of handle those, those, uh, losses and be able to quickly pivot and, and turn it around, turn it around to a positive. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge. Uh, because not everyone does this. I don't know what, I feel like there has to be some statistic out there of the percentage of, uh, you know, physical therapy, business owners, I don't know what it is, but especially in, um, in your business. So, uh, what is the mission of orthopelvic and, you know, who do you help? Yeah. So we, we treat men and women with chronic pelvic pain, hip pain, low back pain, leakage, pain with intercourse. Um, and we get them to return back to activity without difficulty. So, that is our mission. Um, we really specialize in the orthopedic, combining the orthopedic and the pelvic health approach because it is a whole system, guys. It's not separate. Um, and that's what I kind of really uh, want people to know that really the hip is the pelvic floor and the pelvic floor is the hip. And we have to start combining these. So I think our clinic is, is known for um, taking the pelvic floor, not just for internal exams, but also doing like CrossFit movements while um, rehabbing the pelvic floor as well. And I want people to see that it's a whole system and not just strictly just treat it one way. And you have to think outside the box where our logo is a puzzle because it has to be treated in a multifaceted approach. PT school, they don't teach you guys this, but you have to look from a, from a um, nutrition standpoint. You have to look from a pain science standpoint. You have to look from a musculoskeletal standpoint. You have to look from a nervous system standpoint, and then you have to combine. And this is why you have to build a community because you have to have good, good referrals. If you don't know, Hey, how can I combine this? So a lot of times, because my practice, we spend an hour with our patients, we are able to be almost like a primary care to be able to say, okay, Sally, we need, I need an endo doctor on your team. I need us, the PTs, and then maybe I need a chiro 
chiropractor. And we work with many different disciplines. We have no problem with other uh, referring out. And then that's your team. And then that person only has to go see three different providers instead of 20 different doctors and then coming back to us, especially in the pelvic health world, no one's been able to solve my problem. I've seen literally eight different doctors and no one can help me. That's what we hear a lot. Um, so it's, it's, it's really amazing. I love that. And that's one thing, the interdisciplinary approach is so important to have and to have from other, you know, you know, chiropractic personal trainers, like other physicians as well. And I'm so glad that you do that in your practice because, you know, you want to have alliances with, um, with other, you know, professionals as well, uh, to really help, you know, your patient. So, uh, I'm glad that, that you all do that. Um, and it's, it's an important aspect of, of, you know, health. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And you got to build your community. I think the biggest thing out there, you know, if anyone is ever thinking about starting their own business, um, community, you have to have a community. You have to have a community that supports you. You have to know, um, who in the community can also help your patients out. So if you can build a community, I think that's why orthopelvic has, you know, had the success that it has is because because the community, our community is great. And we've been able to um, really help a lot of people out. And, um, you know, we want to continue to do that. That's incredible. And I am so happy for you because now, um, so you, you open your doors in September. So it's been over a year, correct? Yes. Yes. That's so exciting. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know it's crazy how now, you know, looking, looking back, you're like, wow, you know, the growth that you've gone through and like you said, all of the, the lessons learned. Um, and for students, you know, if you could change PT school curriculum, uh, what do you think schools need to start doing? Is it having a full, um, full class in a semester? Um, what do you think like needs to start happening in education in regards to like learning about, um, pelvic floor and wellness. Yeah. So a, they need to teach you about the pelvic floor and systematically how it, you know, integrates with every system. Cause you know, in PT school, they break it up orthopedic neuro, blah, blah. PT school really needs to have courses that incorporate the whole system. It's not just looking at it from this one approach. So when I hire new grads, they're really just looking at it from a research perspective and like, you know, eyes just on a muscular skeletal system. And I have to reframe it and give them all these other tools because that's how we have to look at it. That's number one. Number two, they really need to incorporate the business. You have to understand, even if you don't want to um, start your own practice, guys, everything, a lot of stuff's moving online. They shouldn't really incorporate online things of um, different guides that they can get out, different podcasts, um, how to start your own podcast how to bring the education to um, our audience, whether or not you want to start a business or not. And then, like I said, I really think that they should take some, they should put in some business classes, just 101, um, so that people are more educated and know, hey, this is, this is what I can do instead of relying on these big corporations to um, try to progress them. But you guys are going to end up like me, like I was so burnt out trying to have like two or three jobs just to pay rent and pay your student loans. It just doesn't add up these days. And there's only so much these big institutions can give to PTs because they're capped out because of insurance. So insurance is only reimbursing like 80, maybe, maybe 80, that's good. Maybe like $60 a patient. So how are they going to pay a PT 
$70 an hour, they can't, they can't even pay the rent. So it's a big problem. Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. And I, I mean, I feel like a lot of students, they want to see that happen. And then it's just, you know, getting, getting to the higher ups where it's still, I hope we get, I hope soon we get to that point where, um, you know, we can start making an impact and have, uh, looking at the institution differently. Um, but I mean, in the meantime, that's where you come in, you know, having mentors, having, uh, you know, courses to go through. So if there's a student listening right now and they say, they're thinking, okay, I have an interest in, you know, pelvic health. I want to explore that more. What is like the, I guess, first step they should start taking? Yeah. So the first step that you should take if you're interested in pelvic health, take a Herman and Wallace class, like 101. They're very basic, but they're very good for people just starting out. And then once you take that, I always say after that, then find a good mentor. But just start there because that's the class that you do start doing internal exams. So that way you get a little bit comfortable and you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll spread my legs. Here we come. I mean, that's just what it is, right? Um, and you start getting more comfortable and then from there you can progress. But that's what I would say is just start very basic with that. Awesome. Yeah. I feel like that's, that's a great point. And we'll put that in the show notes of, uh, just the link, uh, for Herman and Wallace. So you all can look it up. And, uh, as we wrap up, I know we talked about a lot and you had mentioned it in the beginning, but if you had one piece of advice for current PT students, and we'll say now, as we're still in the pandemic, uh, what would that be? I have a lot. Um, let's see. One piece of advice for current students. Don't work too hard. Have some fun. Try to enjoy things. Um, and no, you don't need to come out of school and do a, um, what do they call it? I don't even know. What is it, what is it called? The, the res- what is it? The residency. Residency. Yeah. You don't need to do the residency. That's what I would say. Yeah. I feel like, hey, that's it. Uh, and yeah, this was so awesome. Thank you for coming on. Uh, gratitude. I know so many of the listeners uh, will benefit from this. And for those who would like to reach out to you, where's the best place they can find you on social? Yeah, so you can find us at Ortho Pelvic PT. It's all one word. That is my clinic um, name. And then if you are ever interested in, in growing a pelvic health practice, uh, at uh, PelviBiz or at Pelvic Health Business Grower uh, on online as well. Awesome. And we'll put that all in the show notes as well. But thank you so much for coming on, Kelly. It was a it was a pleasure, and I'm excited to see uh, where where things go. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me guys. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of gratitude. We would absolutely love to hear your biggest takeaway from this episode and share it out on all of the social media platforms and tag us so we can see it. And if you like our show, the best thing you could do is to take a minute to write a review to help us get this out to more students like you to shift the narrative away from stress and broke SPT. 